It's 93.3 WMMR in Philadelphia. I am Sarah tonight in East Rutherford, New Jersey at MetLife Stadium because Metallica is about to kick off their M72 World Tour, at least this leg of it. And I am joined by Kirk Hammett of Metallica. Thank you so much for taking the time. I am so happy to be here right now talking to you. Love it. So this is the tour kickoff Mm -hmm. for North America. You just got done the European run of this M72 no repeats tour. How did that go? It was great. I mean, we had had a lot of fun playing those shows. It it took us a couple shows to figure out that stage and, you know, how to wrangle that stage. And it it, it took us a few few shows to figure out what songs work best on that stage stage but we've got that all worked out now and so you know it's great because just in time for north america so we get the better end of that you deal get the, more, <laughs> the more refined road tested show yes <laughs> well when the playlist switches from night to night and you've got these gaps between shows how do you vibe check the crowd when you get off stage what has to happen for you to go okay that was a kick-ass show. Yeah, well, you know, every show is different. You know, every show has its own kind of like dynamic and and, and vibe, and it really just boils down to our connection with the with the audience. You know, collectively, because like we can play, you know, any combination of, of songs, fan favorites, you know, deep cuts, whatever, and you never really know why how it's all going to go down until you just go out there and do it and a lot of times we went out there with really challenging set lists and thinking oh this is going to be too much for the audience the audience comes back you know loving it the feedback we get and sometimes we try to make really like fan friendly set lists and then people are saying well you didn't play this you didn't play that and there wasn't enough deep cuts so you know it's all about just trying to really just strike a balance you know you mentioned the stage for this tour is massive. I heard that the stage for your last tour can actually fit inside the snake pits for the stage on the start. Yes. How do you navigate that? Like literally, uh, is it, do you get a little lost sometimes? Sometimes I wish I got lost just sometimes. (laughs) We get lost a lot on that. Just picture just like a big donut or kind of like, you know, oval with no landmarks. The only landmark is the drum kit. And so when you're playing and you're like so focused in on your your instrument and on the performance, the last thing you think about is where am I at on stage, you know? And that's not something that we think about during the songs. It's something we think about after the songs. Right. So, so a lot of times you'll... Final s- note, where do I go? Where do yeah, I go? You know, what do I do? So <laughs> a lot of times after the song, you'll see, you know, me or James or, or, or Rob just like doing this really quick sort of trot toward our, toward uh, where our techs are and where our, all our other guitars are. Right. And, and that's what that is all about. But, you know, uh, another interesting thing to know about the stage is like... When you do 14 uh, revolutions around it, it equals one mile. And, you know, I think I do that by like the seventh or eighth song. So you're burning a lot of calories in a single show. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I'm here to do. You know, that's, we, uh, that's what we always do. We, all, we always go out there and just give it a, a ton of adrenaline, a ton of sweat, a ton of effort. And, you know, that's kind of been our, our, our approach to 
every show. I've seen Metallica in stadiums like this one. I've seen Metallica in arenas. And I was also lucky enough to see Metallica in a tiny little place, not too far from here, Webster Hall in New York City back in 2016. What do you remember about that night? Because it was such a special show for so many reasons. Yeah, I, I, you know, Webster Hall is a really, really cool place to play. And so when we played there, I, I, it was just like, yeah, this reminds me of being somewhere out on the Ride the Lightning Tour. Nice. <laughs> you know? And for us, I mean, it's a real treat to play the smaller places because obviously we get stuck in playing these bigger places only because uh, uh, just, you know, the math of it all. You got to play bigger places because we have so many fans. And when you play smaller places, it's great for a certain percentage of the of fans, but a lot of the other fans miss out. And so it's just one of those things. We like doing the smaller shows, but it's it's not really a great thing for, you know, for us to be doing all the time because sooner or later there's going to be people who miss out. So we, again, it's all about a balance of like playing the bigger shows and, and finding a way to play the smaller shows in a way that, you know, it's just like, I don't know, it just works. Well, Metallica does such a great job at bringing the fans into the experience, no matter what the experience is. That Webster Hall show was pressed to vinyl. Yeah. So anyone yeah. who was or wasn't there was able to pick it up and like have a physical product and mm-hmm. look at the art and see the videos online. Yeah. And yeah. Metallica, you just purchased a pressing plant, one that you've been working with for a while, mm-hmm. but now it's yours. Yes. So does that allow for opportunities to press, you know, maybe oh, yeah. rare tracks or more shows? Uh, you know, we, we have plans. Yeah. I mean, we have plans for that tr- uh, pressing plant. When it comes to Metallica and, and, and in cer- certain situations, certain business uh, situations where we can be creative about what we do about it, you know, then it becomes a really, really cool project for us. And, you know, Having this pressing plant is the beginning of a great project that we're, we're going to be embarking on in the, in the next 10 years or so. Are you a vinyl guy? Do you collect vinyl? You know, I just like music. You know, <laughs> I, I just like, I, Fair remember, enough. I remember eight tracks. <laughs> I remember reel to reels. I remember cassettes, albums, obviously. CDs, dat tapes, all of it, the tiny little ones, you know, and just like, (laughs) and they're all just like, they're all just kind of formats for me with, you know, various uh, grades of like, you know, audio fidelity. And it's all really, really, really great. But man, you know, to me, it's just like a good song just just comes, comes across no matter if you're listening to it, you know, through a like three inch radio speaker or like a massive system a good song will always be a good song i don't get too lost in you know in, in the audio part of things because that's a rabbit hole that mm-hmm. i could easily go down because i go down that route with my guitar sound mm-hmm. and you know guitar tones that's something that you know i just kind of purposely stay away from because gotcha. you know, yeah I, leave it to the other experts yeah exactly and you'll be an expert at what you do yeah you know <laughs> i have a lot of friends who are total audiophiles who had like the most massive stereo setups and those are the people i'd like to come visit you yeah know? yeah exactly <laughs> you don't have to deal with the setup exactly. or explaining why it's yeah. high fidelity and all that stuff exactly. you can just come in Uh, and enjoy enjoy their setup yeah backstage your online home for all things country music award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks and many of those have gone on to become country gold we've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an oscar text oscar to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on backstagecountry.com 
text OSCAR to 45911 and we'll send the link straight to your phone. We're speaking with Kirk Hammett of Metallica on 93.3 WMMR. Metallica's debut album, Kill Em All, just celebrated its 40th anniversary a few weeks ago. And Ride the Lightning, not far behind, going to Mm -hmm. celebrate the same milestone next year. Mm -hmm. What is your relationship to those early tracks like today? Well, when when I listen to those tracks, I'm just kind of blown away when I look back. You know, we were all so young, but we had a very clear vision of what we wanted to do, what we wanted to sound like, how we wanted to execute things, the type of songs we wanted to write. I mean, you know, for as young as we are, we all had a collective vision and we knew exactly what we wanted and you know what we wanted and what we were chasing was very unique no one else was very few other bands were chasing that same vision you know as us as slayer as anthrax as megadeth as exodus you know as overkill as as testament there's a lot of bands who were chasing that vision and we all had kind of like the same vision but what blows me away about it is we're all around the same age, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know if that happens these days. You know, you find out just a, a large large group of people, you know, a scene where everyone's just all into the same thing and is supporting each other. And then record companies are, are start going, what's going on? Start getting curious. And next thing you know, all of a sudden, there's a record company in the room and he's signing everyone. And we're all like they're 22, 23 years old. The fact that we got so much done at such a young age just blows me away because it seems like we had something on our on our sides, you know. We had some sort of like energy or God was smiling down on us. Or the universe was pushing us. And thank God, you know, because those two albums, Kill Em All and Ride the Lightning, when they came out, there was nothing like it. Right. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And mean, it seems like it was such a special time and special community and a community that was that you kind of touched on it but born out of proximity right you Mm. made friends Mm. by going to the record store and Mm -hmm. just seeing who was there picking up the same records and now you can create community on your phone with someone who is across the world yeah so things have changed just a little bit yeah yeah (laughs) you know and that type of community it's great that you can do that but you know there's something about people being in the room being together that's just like I don't care what people say about Zoom or, or FaceTime or whatever. There will be nothing that's that, that, that there will be a substitution for people in a room brainstorming, being creative, you know, vibing off each other, feeling the chemistry. I mean, it can be done remotely, and we we did that with seventy two seasons, but still, we missed the live interaction, and so. Getting back to your question about Killmon and Ride the Lightning, I'm actually blown away when I look back at it. You know, when we were making those the, the, uh, those albums and touring behind them, we just kind of took it for granted. It's just like you know, all right, we did that. Let's go on to the next thing. We never like sat down and, and really thought about the accomplishment that we made. Right. And so, forty years later, I'm able to do that, and I'm able to go, man, we really pulled something off, and we were just kind of blasé about it. You know, yeah, well, the momentum, it just carried you. I yeah. mean, you you took off, and no pun intended. I'm wondering when Metallica is going to space, because yeah. I just watched that Artemis hype video, soundtrack by Fuel. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be an astronaut now. This mm-hmm. kicks ass. Mm-hmm. And really, Metallica, I feel like, has done just about everything there is I to hate- do on this Earth. 
I want to so, go up and play in space. I want to play in zero gravity. That would be amazing. That you know, would be incredible. I want to play on the moon. I think That's, if anyone can make it happen, yeah. it's y'all. And you know, it's really funny. It's just like lately you've seen all this stuff about UFOs and extraterrestrials and whatnot. I, I get all this info slipping by. And I'm thinking, you know, it's one of the infos like they know all about us, right? Right. You know, and they know our culture. So I'm just thinking, <laughs> they know our culture. I'm wondering if they're like listening to our music. <laughs> I think yes. If there are you know? aliens, their favorite band is Metallica. That's you know, what we can okay. glean from this. Yeah. Do we have yeah. like fans that are way out there? Way out there. Like, I know so we have fans that are there. out there, but do we have fans that are way out there? Well, uh, before you go to space, can you come back to Philly? Because Philadelphia misses you. What do you yeah, have to say to the people you know, who are waiting for you to come back? I, I got to tell you. I'll never forget that Tower Theater show on the, during the right lightning tour because it was radical. And man, we busted the place up. And I, I remember that show was so crazy. It was one of those shows on that tour. It was just like, wow, that Tower Theater show is something else. And we were talking about that show for like years afterwards. And, and this is how much of an impression it made on me because I still remember it now. You know, The building's still yeah. there. I Thank think God. Metallica should come. Uh, Thank God. Maybe we should tear do it down. <laughs> we, should, we should play there just for old time's sake. You know, that would be actually very, very cool. Love it. Well, I know you've got a tour to kick off tonight, so I'll let you go. Kirk right. Hammett Thank of Metallica. You. Thank, Thank you, you so much for taking the Cheers. time. Thank you.